What do plants need to grow? Soil, sunlight, and water. The real question, what do you need to grow? Hi, Ed. This is Tech. Real talk, real teachers, real tech leaders, and concrete next steps for upskilling your career. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Hi, Ed. This is Tech. I'm Anna, and I'm here with Rob, as always. Hey, everybody. And today we are talking all things customer success. So I'm first going to introduce our transitioning teacher who I met on LinkedIn. I want to say like six months ago because I saw her post and she was like talking about how much her education background helps and translates into her work and customer success. And I was like, oh my God, this lady is speaking my language. I love to see someone advocating so fiercely for what educators are doing and how that translates into the business world. So we've been connected ever since. It's Stella Iknana. So it's really nice to have you on. Welcome, Stella. And then- Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, and then I'm gonna let Rob intro Marnie, who is our CS leader. So we have uh, Marnie Stockman here with us, a former coworker uh, to me at Schoology. She was the director of assessment at that time, has really extensive background in director of customer success at, at PowerSchool, as performance matters at that time. And huge input here is that she's a former educator. So she came out of the classroom became a director of CS, and I'm sure I'm not doing the best job of introduction. So Marty, let me turn it over to you for some background on yourself. Sure, yeah, so I started out as a high school math teacher, which for the record is a good sign that you can go into sales or customer success, because have you ever tried to pitch pre-calculus to a bunch of 17 year olds? Like you better have game, you better be good at marketing, you better be good at sales, and your customers are students and parents and administrators and test scores. So when you have to manage all those pieces, if you can handle that, you're definitely um, primed for customer success. Uh, So through education, became assistant principal, math supervisor, and then accountability coordinator, where I used an ed tech software assessment platform. Um, I ended up presenting in front of the owner of that company, and he said, you should run customer success for us um, because I was a strong advocate for what the platform needed to do from the education perspective. And he wanted me to help other educators be able to reach their goals with the platform. So that English to English translator, which I think educators do really well, is how I landed in customer success. Well, that is amazing. I love that with pitching pre-calculus. That is such a good way of putting it. I had to sell some students on some things that they were not fond of. So definitely as a marketer, marketing skills too. And so I'm curious, like you take on this role as director of customer success, like that's a huge role, right? So like you must have learned so much in your first six months. Like what were some of the biggest business lessons that you gained in those like first, you know, half year, year on the job? So, so I was hired as customer success manager. And four months later, I was turned in director of customer success. So I learned a lot in that period of time. Um, When I came in as a customer success manager, there's the dirty little secret. I had fired one of my team members when I was hired from our district as our customer success manager, because I was unsatisfied with that situation. Um, So oddly enough, I ended up working with this human. I actually ended up hiring him onto my team later. So there's a story to tell there. Um, But 
the problem that I walked into was districts had not been served for 18 months and I was putting lids on pots. That is how I, I like I described it. At, people were describing me as like, way to take knives in the back, way to catch bullets with your teeth. I was like, I'm not a ninja warrior. I like am a customer success manager. <laughs> Why are these words being thrown at me? That is, that is not what I thought I was walking into. So what I saw was very reactive condition. And I knew that a strong customer success program needed to be proactive. It needed to achieve goals for the district, the company, like the business, whoever you're working with. Um, and, and I had to work to make that shift. Uh, so you ask an interesting question in terms of what is it, what does it look like? What do you learn from business? So I have to say that I've since left ed tech and now I'm CEO of a startup company, um, a software company that sells to IT business owners. So I can talk a lot about the business that I learned along the way. Um, there are there are natural things that teachers do innately that make their personality type easy to be the advocate on both ends of the, the, the spectrum, right? They're good at advocating for their clients. They're good at advocating for their company. They play that balance nicely. Things they walk into that you have no idea are coming is this whole language around KPIs, which for the teachers, it's just your yearly objectives. It's an SLO in business form, right? But they'll call them KPIs or OKRs, and, and they've got a whole new, you thought you had run the gamut of acronyms in the world of education, and they come at you with all of these business processes. HR is no longer what you expect. You leave a classroom where you know that if you want to stay there and have tenure, you're there until you tell them otherwise. And in business, everybody works hard to do their job, not that teachers don't, but it's very clear if you're not going to make it, you're, you could be out the next day. There's this much, it's a much shorter term thinking. Um, and and in education, like when I wanted to be a math teacher, I knew I wanted to be a math teacher. I wasn't constantly looking around for like, hey, maybe there's a fourth grade position that I want or I want to try this, right? I, I knew what I was walking into, whereas there are lots of different types of roles that in the business people think about more than educators do. Educators get into a spot, they know they're going to be there at least for a year. Uh, and then I think the most alarming thing was all of the system structures and processes even though teachers are in front of humans all day long, there aren't other adult humans that they're engaging with other than one or two. So they don't have processes in place for how to shuffle their own paperwork, how to put appointments on their calendar, how to figure out their salary negotiations, et cetera. Um, all of that is they figure out their way and they do it that way. But in business, there's someone telling you like, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. You know, there are processes and so many little technologies to help you do the work that I feel like that's a, that's a shocking difference the first time you walk out of the classroom. So that's a lot of yammer, but I'll be quiet now. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> that answer. Great. It's so true. And then I know Stella, like you've been doing some customer success work and you're active on LinkedIn. And so I guess like, I want to understand like why, why customer success for you? And like, what's your dream like a year from now? What does that look like? Oh, wow. Yeah. I know what I'm doing today and tomorrow, a year from now, <laughs> just like when we would ask the kiddos, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, pass eighth grade. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, thank you. 
Um, I'm currently doing onboarding manager. And what I see um, is very similar. And like, just the whole arena of customer success is that we have people like a caseload. So I was special education teacher. So very familiar with having caseload of people um, and helping them achieve some type of goal. So biggest thing within SAS is like that people are understanding how does this software help and benefit me in the end. And very similar to education, we had to um, motivate, convince, um, and share the um, kind of end goal um, because many learners, they don't see the benefit of anything that we're doing. You know, talking about math, I had to convince kiddos to read Shakespeare. That's a tough sell. Um, but I found graphic novels, audiobooks, videos, and I would connect it with things that they were interested in. Um, you know, talking about Netflix or TikTok influencers that they know and saying who would represent this character can kind of bring it into their real world. Um, very similar to how programs and software is just like, you know, who cares? Why do I need this? And so kind of showing them how it could make their world um, more effective and efficient. I think those are the two biggest things in professional life anywhere you are. How can I do my job faster and better? And once you can kind of solve that, I think you got got them in. Yeah, so it sounds like there's there's certainly a lot of differences between ed and, and tech and ed tech. As much as there's similarities, there's differences too. And so, Marnie, I was kind of curious. Uh, I know you hired a lot of teachers out of the classroom. Maybe we can get into that uh, sector of the conversation of, you know, what do you look for out of a teacher interested in joining as a CSM? So I think some of the pieces that Stella just mentioned, uh, the understanding of the similarities, right? That they, that a teacher understands, okay, I've got goals for a group of people. I'm accountable for helping them reach those goals. Uh, and my goal is in fact, an aggregation of everyone else's goals, right? Um, I always was curious about, um, depending on what your customer successing in, right? If there was a product specific to a type of goal, do you know that product? Do you know, do you know the value that product brings to the table? You don't have to know it right out of the gate, right? You can always learn a product, but do you understand the importance of that product? Because if you can't, that is what you have to communicate. And I think that's what Stella was saying, right? Like you are going to have to pitch that product to the person that bought it sometimes so that they adopt and use the product. So for teachers, I was looking for folks who knew how to speak to other end users of the product. So at the, um, I sold a, an assessment platform, right, to district level leaders. So I wanted teachers or district level administrators that knew how to talk the language that other district level leaders would understand in assessment so that they knew oh, Stella gets why I want this product and she's going to help me get there, right? The other pieces um, that especially, so I've worked remote before remote was cool in this world, but I think now customer success managers really, really work remotely because you're really able to target, you know, all around the world, really. Um, and so to be independent, which many teachers are, right? This is a strength they come with. They're already used to working independently in their classroom, uh, that they can organize their work 
that, you know, that they have a vision for what it would be and how they would get there. Uh, and also the importance of being able to advocate for your client is also how to advocate for yourself, which I think in a remote workforce is more important than ever because you can get lost in your own little, you know, room of, uh, you know, back office, whatever room you've got set up in the house, that if you don't know how to advocate in a new role uh, for the work you're looking, like the help that you need, you could feel kind of floundering in it because it's a space you didn't see yourself in when you were in the classroom. So I really was looking for folks who got the value, knew the work or could learn the work and had the passion to really want everyone to become the best version of them they could be or use the product the best way it could be. And I guess what I wanted to ask after that is for Stella then like, you've been on the receiving end of customer success, right? Like that's one of the things I love so much about your posts is like, you're putting stuff out there, like what I would have liked to receive as a teacher. And so where have like you seen gaps, I guess, in like, in terms of what, in terms of what Marnie was just saying about like understanding the product and wanting to help you succeed with it. Oh, wow. I can go on for days. So please cut me off. (laughs) Um, I would say, I love all the data that, you know, customer success education had to deal with. And I think doing something with that data is huge. I've been asking um, people I'm networking with and talking with for six months now, how do you champion your champions? Not a person can answer that question. And that is shocking to me um, because as a teacher, that's all I did. You know, I had to celebrate every single little win um, for every single one of my learners um, so that they would keep coming back to me, keep showing up to school, logging in, listening to what I said. Um, So I think adults are very similar. People um, are very predictable. And what educators have is like that behavior management and behavior psychology. Um, And I would love for that to kind of be infused more in tech, I guess. Um, Definitely people have it, but the overall emotional intelligence, empathy, active listening, um, I don't think those are soft skills. I think that is a very, you know, strange phrase to use for something that's very, very essential. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing. How are you utilizing their feedback and putting it into action? Because people love to share their feedback, but are you doing anything with that? Um, Creating communities. I know Gainsight purchased Incited, which is a huge community-based platform. So that's definitely going the right direction. But um, yeah, just how do you champion your champions? That's my biggest question for all of tech, ed tech, anyone um, to ask, to answer. So when you say, yeah, go ahead, Rob. I was going to say, I, th- I think that really goes into company culture and the kind of culture that you establish with your CS team. And I think of that as like school culture too, when I, when I was more involved with that. Um, and that's actually kind of what I was going to throw back to you, Marnie, because you came into an organization to change the culture and the way that the CS team was operating and what they were doing. Um, but go ahead. You, you had a response too. Well, um, 
so I, in the land of champion, the champion, I like that phrase. I, I'll probably be using that again on some folks here shortly. Uh, if you haven't read the book Raving Fans by Ken Blanchard, it is, um, it's a quirky tale. They even say that on the website, I think, because it is odd. And if you listen to the audio book, it sounds like Elmer Fudd is reading it to you. But um, it's one of our core values for our company uh, to, to, to aim for raving fans. And I think so much of that in terms of active listening and trying to understand the real question and relating to them at their level is mission critical. Um, I could, you know, I, we sell to it business owners right now. Um, and, and it's interesting that a lot of people come in hot on tech issues and tech concerns, right? Because, it's a mission critical piece. This is how people are functioning. So if Zoom is down, if their internet is down, right, there's a lot of anxiety. So teachers are very good at being able to understand, meet them with empathy where they are and help move them instead of just coming back at them hard, right? Um, and it's in little things. So here's just a, a small example of that. Of, so I run the marketing piece of our company and our CRM broke. And so it spammed people um, more often than we wanted one day. And, and a guy jumped back right away and said, How did, like, where did you buy my name from on this email list? And, um, and I sent back, I said, oh, give me a minute. And I went and checked in the CRM and found out that uh, he had signed up for one of our webinars. And I said, oh, it looks like you had signed up for a webinar. So we got your name on the list. So I apologize that you didn't want to you know, get that email from us. Like, I'll be sure to take you right off. I hope you have a great day. And he sent back like, uh, I need to apologize, right? Like I was having a bad day and I came at you a little hard and your kind response of like an apology the accurate information that I wasn't in the wrong, like, and I didn't accuse him back um, and like correcting it. Uh, it was interesting. I don't think he normally got that response. Right. So I think many folks, when they come in hot and get heat back, that doesn't help. And I think teachers are really good at helping with the empathy, right? Understanding the need and helping resolve it. That was a marketing issue, but it's the same type of thing. Anybody come in and like customer success, there, success is there because people need someone to help bridge the gap. I always say English to English translator. And a lot of times it comes down to that emotional quotient. You had me thinking about the student teacher friction or a conflict. I was at the high school level. And if you matched hot with hot, it just exploded. It's brutal. I, yes. Right. High school level, it gets, a, you know, it can get really messy at the high school level. <laughs> yes, it is exactly like right. that. <laughs> and right. what's worse as the assistant principal is sometimes it was the teacher that was in the wrong and I would have to help deflate that situation. <sighs> oh, this, this is going to be fun. Heat to heat does not mix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did want to pause here for a quick second. Marty, you mentioned that you were an, an author, right, of a book yes. about... CS, why don't you bring that up for everyone yeah. real quick? So I, so I'm a big fan of puns. So I wrote the book on customer success for MSPs, literally. Uh, so um, it's interesting because and it is. Let's announce the title real quick. Oh. Announce that title there for everyone on the podcast. Literally the book on customer success for MSPs. I do have to say from a marketing perspective, I love that title because they say to like spend 90% of your time on your headline, right? And like to write it a million times over. That is my type of title. I think that's fantastic. But that's such an aside. <laughs> 
So, uh, so the book is for IT business owners specifically. It's around tracking metrics for them, which I think is the other piece that um, that teachers don't. That teachers are very used to collecting data uh, on students, and it's just different data in uh, in technology, right, or in a SaaS business. But you're still looking at it the same way. But I did not expect to necessarily be talking about this on the call. But just for the record, the first three sentences in here are way to take knives in the back. I heard you were catching bullets with your teeth. Those were the Slack messages I received after a week of work as a customer success manager. So like, I'm not kidding. <laughs> True story. I wrote a book about it even. I'm glad you bring up the uh, the part of CS that's not always warm and fuzzy that some folks think mm -hmm. it is on the, the outside looking in because it is a very difficult, difficult position for sure. So I'm glad that we're getting into the, the good, the bad and the ugly here on, on the call. So rewarding, and I'm—I bet Stella's mm -hmm. got nine stories in her pocket um, because they're coming in hot with a problem, and you get to solve the problem, right? Like, so salespeople, uh, really good salespeople, are solution solvers for folks, right? They—they—they they, they believe in what they're selling, and they solve a problem for you. Customer success managers know how to solve problems with your product and believe that's the right solution, and so. They come in angry and you can massage it and make it all better and make them the hero in their work. And who doesn't love, like teachers love making people heroes. That is what they do all day, every day. So Stella, I don't know if that brings up a story for you, but. Definitely. It just happened. Like, I think it was this morning where I had um, a teacher who last week said, um, you know, her availability change for the ability to take on some classes. And I said, okay, no worries. Um, let me know if that ever changes in the future. So she had to kind of uh, cancel some classes. And then um, later last week, she said, you know what, starting, um, you know, in two weeks, I'll be able to pick up courses. I said, sure, you're going to jump right in. And then she actually remembered an email I had sent her. Um, and then she said, are these still available? asked the team if it was still available, said yes, and then boom, she's going to start next week with those classes. So it's not, you know, I left it as let me know whenever you're available um, because she was saying, you know, I'm just, I can't do this. There's too much going on with me right now. I said, sure, whenever you have a moment, um, you can jump right back in with us. So it is that kind of um, giving them those options, just like as we did with learners. Um, you know, you could do the assignment now after school during your lunch, you know, so it's um, kind of giving those creative problems instead of saying, you know, this has to be done at this moment at this time, I think is huge because time is so different for each human right now. And that ability to be flexible is huge. Yeah. And I guess I, you know, before we wrap up this conversation, one of the things that we like to do in these calls is give Stella, you the opportunity to ask Marnie any questions you have. I mean, she's literally written the book on customer success. <laughs> so <laughs> are there any questions you have for her? Yes, I would say um, something I'm seeing is this movement of going from one to one to one to many um, mm. in the CS space. So how, what are your thoughts on that? How can we do that in the digital space, thinking that this will, you know, be the movement going forward? 
So I, you would have no reason to know this, but I feel like an ideal person to answer that question. I'll tell you why, because when we first start, when I first started, um, we had 90 clients, I think, and then we got acquired three times. So we went, we doubled every time and we grew organically at the same time. So I ended up scaling from 900 clients to 200 clients to 900 to 1500. Or yeah, did I get, hopefully I said those in the right order. So we had to figure out, but we didn't get any more team members. As a matter of fact, we lost half the team. So how do you do that? Um, so one of the things I found critical, we did a couple pieces of data. First, we really charted our clients based on the amount of money they bring in for us and the amount of effort that they take. Uh, and, and kind of made a quadrant. You can tell I'm a math teacher. Like I literally have a whiteboard over there where I do this sometimes for ourselves. So I drew the quadrant. I was like, pay a lot of money, pain in the behind, pay a lot of money, easy and adopted. Right. So, but I use that to say what kind of cadence, and if you're paying a lot of money and you are a lot of effort, I need to meet with you monthly, weekly, quarterly, whatever it is. And I had a $1.7 million education contract. And they met with me weekly, right? And then I also had the $3,000 a year contract that really, if they spent more than 10 hours with us a year, we were already out, right? Like we, we just were not profitable. So those were the folks that we had to figure out a one-to-many adoption model. So what are some ways that you can do that, right? There's, there's newsletters. We started regional meetings. So I worked with school districts. So we found all of the districts that worked on the same type of work and had one-to-many meetings because they wanted to talk with each other. So we started having regional user groups and we started doing that on Zoom. So once a month, I was sort of the facilitator for districts to talk to each other. And the beauty of being customer success, one thing I love so much, right? And I was still in an education piece is that I got to bring best practices from all different kinds of districts to everybody else. Like I got to share the best of the best with everybody. So I think when that's the power of your one-to-many, it's very easy to convince multiple companies, multiple districts to do a one-to-many model. So in our software platform that's selling to, again, business owners, we have a a do-it-yourself method, right? You can use a knowledge base and videos. So that's a solid one-to-many plan. But we have weekly workshops and anybody's invited to jump in ask questions. We always have canned content for it. And we offer a one-on-one as well. Uh, And then we have paid boot camps type of thing. So I think in a virtual world to have some type of LMS platform, I end up talking about Schoology quite a bit, Rob, Um, you know, an LMS type platform or to have, uh, you know, just a group meeting so that folks can work together and you get the power of many that way. It's much more cost effective than you having to have one on one conversations. So I say first group your clients to see who can have the same conversations, what cadence they should have them and then start grouping the problems that they have. If you see support tickets on the same issue, the very first conversation you're going to have is how we resolve this support ticket so we don't have to get it anymore, right? You can really be an advocate for your company and not one-to-many. I love that. Thank you. Like using their knowledge to help other people that are in the same boat. And, and champion the champions. Who doesn't love it when you take their knowledge and say like, word on the street is, right, best practices from our partners um, I've asked folks, can I use your name? And they, if like our website, we did a mocking. So my website is lifecycleinsights.io, but we did lifecycleinsights.sucks. 
and people were asking to send us funny, like snarky reviews of like, thanks, you saved us so much money, so much time. Now I can have dinner with my in-laws. Thanks, Life Cycle. But like they really wanted to show off what they had done. Um, so I think when you ask, they will be pleased. And it's the, you know, rising tide lifts all ships type of thing. And I just want to jump in here, like hearing you say that those are fun marketing ideas too. Like I'm the mark, the marketer in me is like selling like customer marketing campaigns. So like I, I'm learning a lot. Um, I really wanted to thank you both so much for your time. Uh, I especially loved it. I mean, Costello, you're doing some of this work now. Like I just love hearing your perspective too. Someone who's new in it. And then Marnie, like as you've been able to grow and literally wrote the book on it. So I just... I, I'm so grateful for both of your time. And I really just want to say thank you. And and Marty, where can people find you? Uh, so LinkedIn is the easy place to go, right? Because that's a great way to connect with any human. So I'm Marnie Stockman. It's very easy. Thank, thanks, my mom, for, uh, for giving me a, a recognizable first name. <laughs> great. And then what's your website, too, for your company in case they just want to go, oh, go look? Yeah, check me out. It's um, lifecycleinsights.io. Okay. And, and then, then if you want something I'm funny. I'm probably Marnie.Stockman at lifecycleinsights.io. So really, I don't veer far from this friend. <laughs> Amazing. And then Stella, you are on LinkedIn as well. And I'll be including the link to both of your profiles in the show notes so people can go follow and connect and learn from you. But thank you both so much. 